Well, welcome all of you to the 40th Alpha class. This is the 40th time, yeah, that we have done Alpha and want to welcome you to be here. How many of you here for the first time, the very first time? Wow, that is tremendous. Yeah. How many of you here for the 40th time? You've made all 40 of these. Yeah, there actually are some of us here that have been to all 40 of these. We call them alcoholics, in case you were. Um, but I am Frank Loria. Welcome to you who are here. Uh, welcome to you who are watching live stream or maybe watching on a delayed broadcast. And we are grateful to have you here as well. Um, and uh, let me just tell you a little bit just uh, about myself. And then I'll tell you about the Alpha course. And then we'll, we'll get into this first evening. And then I'll pass it back to your table hosts. Um, well, first... Um, a little bit about me. I am I'm not on staff here. I am one of the elders at the church, but I own a business. I've been in the employment business for about 43 years. And uh, if you're looking for a job, I, I probably can't help you. But, um, but that's what I've done for about 43 years. And um, well, uh, hopefully you will join us for the next several weeks. And I, I know that if you'll invest the time, you will really get a lot out of this. Um, uh, I, I said, Annette and I, my wife, who I'm about to introduce in a moment, we've been attending this church for 42 years. And um, so before I go any further, I want you to stand up and see this gorgeous woman that, that married me. Sweetheart, would you just stand up and just tell everybody, hello, there she is. If you knew what I put her through, it would be a standing ovation for hours. But she is my wife of 44 years, uh, 22 days, um, eight hours, um, about 38 minutes. And we have three grown children who are married to three other grown children uh, who have given us 12 grandchildren. Our youngest will, our youngest will be one uh, tomorrow. Uh, Isabel will be one tomorrow. Um, Annette, we're both from New Orleans. Annette attended uh, Dominican High School, and uh, I went to an all-boys military school called New Orleans Academy. There are a couple of NOA graduates here, and I had the academic distinction of graduating in the top 18 of my class of 21. And, um, <laughs> but uh, I chose not to pursue a college education. As some of you know, so I attended Louisiana State University. That was for you, Lauren. Um, and I was a member of the uh, austere Deke fraternity, uh, the original Animal House. And, and actually, that's where I, I met Annette for the first time. Uh, she was swinging from a chandelier. Um, and that's, that's really where she caught my eye, uh, with her heel. And then um, my shoulder with her knee, and down we went. And she has been all over me ever since then. At least that's the way I like to say it. It's probably not true, but, but you can learn more about me later. <laughs> um, let me tell you a little bit about Alpha. Alpha started back in London, England uh, in the 70s. It was just this little Bible study in an, in an Anglican church. And it, uh, a guy by the name of Nicky Gumbel went, became a pastor there. And he took this course, this little fledgling course. And today... Uh, this course has gone all over the world in over 100 countries, and 
uh, probably 130, con no, 100 countries, about 130 um, different uh, languages, 130 countries and about 100 languages, I'm sorry. And it really covers about every Christian denomination there is. Uh, we've actually had the privilege of, of hosting uh, many uh, Catholic priests, uh, and uh, it's really fun when they say, uh, hey, if you want to go learn how to do Alpha, come to Lakeview. And that's just been a real honor that we've had so many uh, parish priests that have come here and uh, have been so complimentary of, of Alpha and, and, and how we do that. And we're grateful. So over about 30 million people have attended Alpha over the years across the world. Here at Lakeview, we've had about 9,000 as well. And it is our joy to get this, to do this twice a year. Well, let me just tell you quickly, what is Alpha? Uh, it's an introduction to the Bible. Um, I know we grew up in the United States, but many, not many of us really grew up actually getting any idea or knowing what is the Bible, what, what, is it, what does it say, what relevance does it have for me. It's an opportunity for us to come and do some things we typically don't do around what we'll just call religion, and that's think and talk about it in a, a totally non-threatening atmosphere. Um, and I think that's what makes Alpha so much fun, is that we can just say what we think and think through what we think and question why we think. And, uh, and so that's why I think so many people have, have come and why over the years we have so many people present year in and year out. Um, now, let me tell you as well what Alpha is not. I'm sorry for I keep messing with this thing here. Um, what Alpha is not. This is not an effort to get you to change your denomination or your church. Um, this is not a church membership drive. Uh, this is not a sneaky way to get you to contribute something that we're not asking for anything. This class is underwritten by this entire church because this entire church loves to do Alpha and loves because, and many of those people are people that were guests just like many of you are and just loved coming here and what they experienced and how they experienced something of God in a way in which they had not before. So, so the hope is this, in the midst of our hundred, at least hundred mile an hour lives, we will maybe just push the pause button and think about life's questions, things that we typically don't think about because we're so busy going to the next thing that we're, we're doing. I mean, these are important questions that really deal with our entire lives, not just for a moment of our lives. You know, it was Socrates, the the philosopher that said, the unexamined life is not worth living. Just for you know why I, we've got two screens here is because there are people that are watching and then you can watch this screen. You can watch this screen. You can watch either one. But just so you know, it's just, this is not just for me here because I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what I'm saying. But this will maybe, um, this is for to help you guys that are watching. So it, the unexamined life is not worth living. So if we're going to attain what the vast majority of us say we want, if you ask people what they're looking for in life, they'll say, I'm looking for happiness. I'm looking for meaning, for, for, for fulfillment, to just have a purpose, to feel like I have a sense of a purpose. Of purpose. Um, but we're, to do that, we're going to have to examine what we believe and why do we believe what we believe. What do we believe will make us happy, fulfilled? Not, not just when we're 20, but when we're... 80 even, if we make it that far. But, you know, for something to happen like that, we're going to have to tap the brakes. For some of us, we're just going to have to maybe slam on the brakes and just stop and say, I'm going to commit myself to really begin to think about 
why am I, why am I here? And I'm not talking about why you're here tonight, but why are you on this planet? It, Os Guinness, who was a, is a famous author and speaker, he wrote this. I really want you to listen hard to this. This is interesting. Guinness says this. He says, most of us feel immortal in our teens and 20s, then move through life so fast in our 30s and 40s that we lose sight of the journey and think only of our careers. You relate to that? I know you can. Even in our 50s, we barely hear the roar of the rapids several bends down river. Have you awakened to the journey of life? Or are you among those just drifting down the years? Are you among those so caught up in the project of themselves that they choose not to hear the flow of time? Are you living an examined life? Or are you living in the hand-me-down ideas of others? Are you open to the full interrogation of life? Or are you closed to the search because you believe what you've always believed without question? Now, you think of people that have made it. You know, you think people that have made it and are, you know, they, they're in the headlines. They're in the news. Uh, they're, they're respected. They're, they're, they're bowed down to. You think they would have it all together. But that is not necessarily the case and apparently the case in some of these cases. Some of you have heard of this guy named Shia LaBeouf, right? Sure. This is what Shia had to say when he was interviewed. He said, sometimes I feel I'm living a meaningless life and I get frightened. I know I'm one of the luckiest dudes in America right now. I have a great house. My parents don't have to work. My kids did not do that for me. I've got money. I'm famous, but it could all change, man. It could all go away. You'd never know. He says, I don't handle fame well. Most actors on most days don't think they're worthy. Really, I'm not so sure I, I buy that line. But he says, I have no idea where this insecurity comes from. But it's a God-sized hole. If I knew, I'd fill it and I'd be on my way. Hmm. Interesting. I think we can all relate to that in some fashion, even though we haven't got the millions of a Shia LaBeouf. Uh, we all have, we all know Tom Brady. We all hate, I mean, have heard of Tom Brady. Um, um, but he, this is, this is kind of an old interview, but I want you to watch this interview. This is an interview with 60 minutes and listen to what he had. Now, when this interview was done, he'd only won three Super Bowls. I think he's won seven, is it seven? Hopefully the last one he will win, but he's won seven. Just watch this. It's kind of interesting. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. I mean, this isn't, this can't be what it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I've done it. I'm 27. And what else is there for me? What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I mean, it's... I think that's part of me trying to go out and experience other things. But there's a... I know I love playing football and I love being the quarterback for this team. And But at the same time, I think there's a lot of other parts about me that I'm trying to find. 
different ways of expression, being around. I know what ultimately makes me happy are family and friends and positive relationships with, with great people. And I think I get more out of that than anything. And then there's Ted Turner. Ted Turner, he's worth about $2.2 billion. Um, you, CNN, you know, at the, the beginning of the Internet and everything else. Barbara Walters asked him in an interview, what do you mean by success? What to you, Ted, is success? He replied, I think it's kind of an empty bag. To tell the truth, you have to get there to really know that. Money doesn't buy happiness and neither does honors or position or awards or trophies. Jim Carrey, uh, there's Ted today. Not exactly the young man that he was there. And crazy Jim Carrey. He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that that is not the answer. An interesting statement. And so here's some very successful people. There's a guy by the name of Ralph Barton. He was in the 20s. He was the cartoonist of the stars. And this is something that Ralph Barton wrote. He said, I've had few difficulties, many friends, great successes. I've gone from wife to wife, house to house, visited great countries of the world, but I'm fed up with inventing devices to fill up 24 hours a day. And they found that note on his pillow after he put a brain, after he put a gun to his temple. Donald Kalish, interesting. Donald Kalish was the chairman of the philosophy department at UCLA from 64 to 70. This is what Kalish, this guy is teaching philosophy to thousands of young people. This is what Kalish says. He said, there's no system of philosophy to spin out. There are no ethical truths. They're just clarifications of particular ethical problems. Take advantage of these clarifications and work out your own existence. You are mistaken to think that anyone ever had the answers. There are no answers. Be brave and face up to it. Mm. Well, with all due respect to Dr. Kalish, he kind of contradicts himself when he says there are no answers. To say there are no answers is, in fact, an answer to the question, are there any answers? He also said that life has no purpose. But for some reason, Dr. Kalish made it his life purpose to tell everybody else that life has no purpose. So why should we believe Dr. Kalish's philosophy? Um, I don't, would argue that we, we should not. The Bible takes issue with Dr. Kalish. The Bible said that, the Bible that I had never read said that. And this is just so you could, you know, this is a little bit of a, what is a philosophy of life? Well, a philosophy of life is a worldview or a philosophy of life. It's, a, it's an overall view or a grid whereby we try to make sense of life, Right? We interpret life's events into a meaningful and significant framework. It's why we do the things we do. And every worldview is based on faith. Now, let me just ask you a question. You guys can participate there. This will help me. How many of you grew up as a normal practice of your life? It was just kind of typical that you would do. Maybe almost every day or at least several times a week as you grew up. How many of you just grew up reading the Bible? It was what you did. Would you just raise your hand? Now, just go ahead and look around. So I've seen one, two, three, four. Okay, out of a room of 150 people, thereabouts, we've got five hands going up. 
This is America, isn't it? This is America. Okay. So, so this is fascinating to me that so few of us, I didn't, I didn't know what a Bible was till I was on the campus of LSU walking, probably walking away from the class I should have been going to. And somebody handed me this little green thing. I, I didn't know what it was. But what I'm, not, what I'm not doing is I'm not asking you tonight. I will not be asking you to believe the Bible. Most of us haven't read it, so we don't really know what to think about it. We've heard things about it, but we've really not read it. I had not read it. had no idea what was in it. But the Bible says that it has answers to these worldview questions of origin and purpose and destiny. Where did I come from? Where am I going? But most importantly, we want to know, why am I here? What is life really all about? And the Bible claims that God has made us to have meaning and purpose. Now, again, as I said, I'm not asking you to believe that. But if, just give me the if, the Bible is true. And next week, if you come back next week, and I hope you will come back next week. The question is, who is Jesus? Which may sound like a ridiculous question. But it's not. I grew up going to church having no idea really what the Bible said, who the Bible said Jesus was. And then he made some pretty incredible claims. He said that he, would, he had come that we would have life and have it abundantly, even in the midst of heartache. But to believe that, and again, I'm not asking you to believe that, requires faith. So are you a person of Faith. Do you, you got faith? Maybe not so much, but the one thing I think is important to know is that you and I exercise faith throughout the day. More times than we know, we exercise faith, and that faith is not necessarily, and most of the time, it's not a religious thing. We think of faith, and we think of church, or God, or religion, or something like that. No, we exercise faith all the time. Anybody watch the weather, hoping the weatherman gets it right? Do you do that? Sure, sure you do. I mean, here, here's this guy. He's got no idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, don't you think that, I mean, how many times can they miss it and still keep their job? Yeah, I mean, don't you think there should be a law, right? If, if the next time you miss a rain cell, you're going to a jail cell. You know, it just, you know, and then just, just get the cops and just, just haul that sucker off. Live TV, just get him out of there. Um, did you drive here? Mostly, I guess you drove here. None of you walked here. Um, uh, now, you drove here in faith. Did you know you were going to make it? I looked at some of the cars in the parking lot. Some of you drove here with a lot of faith. Um, <laughs> the guy that kept his lights on, I'm, you're going to have enough to have faith. Um, but you, you don't know that the people are going to, you know, when you get in your car, right, you, you, you trust the brakes are going to work and the steering wheel is going to work. I mean, it's not blind faith. You certainly expect that, but you don't know that the guy that's supposed to stop at the stop sign is going to stop at the stop sign or at the red light. You don't know that. You just, you must take it by faith that that's going to happen. Did you enjoy the meal tonight? I hope you enjoyed the meal tonight. It was good. Good. Um, did you meet the chef? No, really. Did you meet the chef? No, but you ate his food, didn't you? Do you know what kind of mood he was in today? I mean, you don't know. I mean, th this was a picture that we took of him. Um, so 
But you don't know. I mean, you go into a restaurant. You got no idea what they're putting in front of you. You think they're putting in front of you what's on the menu, but you got no idea. So you eat that in faith. And some of you tonight ate in faith. And you ate and ate and ate in faith. Um, and, but maybe, this, maybe, you know, the, the, maybe the chef put a little something extra in the food tonight. Maybe some of you are feeling it right now. Um, but maybe you'll start feeling it about 2 o'clock in the morning and you've got to go to the doctor. You're going to go to the doctor in faith, are you? You're going to go to the doctor hoping he's going to get you, get you straight. You are not, hopefully, going to go to this doctor. Um, some of you know who that is. Uh, was, I should say. But you go to a doctor. We go to a doctor in faith, don't we? We go to the hoping that he's going to, if you're having surgery, he's going to operate on the right part. And you don't know because you're sleeping. You're hoping. You know, that's why they mark an X on the arm that they're supposed to operate on. They do these things. Um, so how many of you like flying? Just enjoy flying. What are your favorite things to do? You, you're strange people. Okay. Um, but um, how about this flight here? This, this was a great flight here. Now, um, some of you are familiar with this. Um, this flight ended up in the Hudson River on January 15th of 2009. It was U.S. Air Flight 15. Any of you on this flight? 1549? Um, the, the, the water temperature was 35 degrees. The air temperature was 18 degrees. Now, nobody on this fl flight paid extra for this additional attraction of ending up in the Hudson. Um, I mean, this, this brings new meaning to flying on a wing and a prayer, I think. Um, but you know, they found out what the problem was. Um, you know, these, the, these birds flew through the engines. You heard, like, well, it was an issue of illegal aliens. Did you know that? Because every one of those birds that flew through the engine was an undocumented Canadian geese. Every, goose. Every one of them. Not one of them was documented. They were all, that was a dumb joke, but I really like it. Um, but we all have faith. We do. Every one of us in this room, as long as you're breathing, we have faith. We exercise that way. Has anybody served on a court, on a in a judge, a judge, on a jury? Yeah. Yeah, sure. And, and when the judge charges the jury, he says, come, I want you to come to a decision beyond a reasonable doubt. He doesn't say, or she doesn't say beyond a shadow of a doubt, beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, and that's, we live life that way. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you, you can raise your hand for this too if you, if, if, if you can. How many of you believe there's something on the other side of your last heartbeat that's going to last forever? Okay, just, do you believe that? Okay, now not everybody's raising. Go ahead, just don't be shy. I mean, it's not, it's not illegal yet to say that. Okay. <laughs> All right, so, um, so let me ask, let me get a couple of people here. Donnie, could I get you? And Ray, could I get you guys to come here real quick? So, um, I... They don't know what I'm going to ask, what I'm asking them to do. But, Donnie, I want you to hold this for me. You hold that. Okay. Now, you stand over there. And uh, so I, this is something that I think is important. So, Donnie, you just hold on to that. And I'll put that at the very end of that right there. Okay. And, Ray, this is not going to be on the camera, so, but I'm sorry. So, anyway, I want you to, could you hold that up a little bit higher? Okay. I've got some guns there, but okay. So, um, so this is physical life. Okay, we're going to call this the dash. Okay, and 
you are, this is the beginning of your life and this is the end of your life. And none of us knows exactly where we are on that continuum, do we? Do you know the day you're going to die? No. Do you want to know the day you're going to die? No. Nobody wants to know that either. But it's going to happen. And the moment that death, that, that life ends, your heart stops. And what you just told me is you believe, most of you said you believe that there's something on the other side of your last heartbeat that lasts forever. And you sure hope it's going to be good because that's a real long time. And it, eternity is forever. Now, this is the thing that I think is so interesting, and this is why I applaud you being here. I'm so glad you're here, is this. We spend so much time thinking about things that are going to last such a little bit of time. Um, What kind of car we're going to drive? What's our career going to be? What neighborhood are we going to live in? How quickly can we get out of Orleans Parish? Things like this. Um, (laughs) um, Things like that. So, I mean, and God, so, but we do that where we're going to vacation. We will spend more time contemplating our vacation than we actually go on the vacation. I mean, we, we spend more time trying to figure it out than we are actually there. And then God forbid we, God forbid we get the wrong cell phone policy and we're in cell phone hell for two years until we can get out of that. But we spend all of this time trying to figure this out. What career am I going to have? All these things. And it's going to last for so little of a time, and we spend little to no time critically examining or thinking about, I wonder what is going to happen on the other side of my last heartbeat. Why do we think so little of something that's going to last for so long? Why do we just assume things? Why do we do that if we really believe there's something on the other side of our last heartbeat, unless we believe our heart's never going to stop beating? But the science is in. 100% of people that have lived have died or are going to die. It's just, it's what's going to happen. And so I I hope you see through this. We're going to call this the dash and we're going to call that the line. And I'll be, I'll be talking about the dash and the line here. So, but, so I hope that picture gives us a thought. Like what are, what are we really thinking about as it, as it pertains to something that lasts such a short period of time? Ray, you did a great job down there. Donnie, thank you so much. Could we give these guys just a great round of applause? Thank you, bud. You know, it was C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was, a, was a, an atheist. Everybody's heard of C.S. Lewis just, be, you know, you either read the series, The Chronicles of Narnia, or many of his other books. Um, but before C.S. Lewis was the C.S. Lewis that many of us have come to know, he was a he was a, a professor of ancient literature, ancient English literature at Cambridge and Oxford. He became a, a staunch follower of Jesus Christ. And this is what he said. And I say that in regard to the dash in the line diagrams. Lewis said this. He said, if I find in myself, and I think about this as it pertains to you. Hopefully you're going to think about all of this as it pertains to you. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I was made for the other side of my last heartbeat. Not just for this short period of time, this short sojourn on the planet, but what is on the other side of my last heartbeat. No desire, no experience can fully satisfy the most probable explanation. Probable explanation. So I was made for another world. Then he goes on to say this. He said, you aim at heaven. In other words, you aim at the line. You get earth thrown in. You aim at earth and you get neither. 
I'm not asking you to hold on to that necessarily, but I am asking you to think about that. The, the, the statement being made here is if I realize there's something more to life than just the nine to five and the vacation and the trips to the doctor and all these other things, if I realize that there's something that's going to last much longer and if I focus on the one who says he's got my life in his hands, then all of a sudden this quick dash begins to make a whole lot more sense. Now, that's something to think about is Ray Pritchard, who's an author and speaker as well. Pritchard said this. Isn't he? he says, we were made to know God. This is his take. Okay? This is his philosophy, his worldview. To, totally opposite of the worldview of Dr. Kalish. He says, we were made to know God. We are incurably religious or spiritual by nature. That's why every human society, no matter how primitive, has some concept of a higher power, some vision of reality that goes beyond the natural. It was Augustine. Now, I don't know if you guys know much about Augustine. Augustine was quite the womanizer. I mean, he was the Hugh Hefner of the 300s. He really was. I mean, this guy went from, from house to house, from bed to bed. Uh, he was looking for love in all the wrong places. This guy was something. But then he has an encounter, not with religion, he has an encounter with, he says, the person of Jesus Christ, and it changed him. And this is what he said. This is one of his prayers. He said, God, you made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Restless. Hopeless, even. You know, it's, it's interesting what has happened in this country and in the world over the course of the last two and a half years, isn't it? More restlessness, more violence, more hopelessness, more suicide than ever before. What does that tell us? It may just say that what we're living these few short years on the planet for, may, we may be aiming in the wrong direction. And again, Alpha, so that we can think about that together and talk about that together and consider that together. We just seem to have trouble finding our way. And that's the Bible's declaration of the necessity of the incarnation of the Son of God. That may be true, may not be true, but that's what the Bible says. And if you will, the purpose of the incarnation of the Son of God is so that we could be rescued, if you will, from ourselves. Possibly, you know, tonight maybe you have or, you know, you see Christianity as I did. Boring, irrelevant, and even untrue. Um, but our hope is that through you being here, maybe you will find it to be just the opposite. Maybe you won't, but at least if you come here, you're going to know what the Bible says and what the Bible doesn't say. And I think that would be important. If for no other reason, just find out what does this book actually say? That could be something that would be of help to you. And I can just tell you that I assumed a lot of things about the Bible that I found were not true at all. I, was, I sincerely believed what I believed. And I don't think anybody insincerely believes. But I sincerely believed something. But I found that the more I opened the book, the more I found that I... Though I was sincere, I was sincerely 
wrong. And I want to touch, as, as I close here, I'm going to touch on three things that, that the Bible records Jesus as saying and how that affects the dash and the line in our lives. He said this, he said, well, let me back up. Thomas was one of his disciples. Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. Where are you going? He said this. He said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And no one comes to the father unless he comes through me. Now, that's quite a statement. He didn't say I am a way or a truth or a life. He said, I am the way. Now, that's either true or not. We're going to touch on that a lot more next week. And I hope you'll come back to to hear that. But he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. He didn't say he was the rules. He didn't say he was the commandments of the laws. He didn't say, uh, you know, uh, the, the way you get to know me is by going to church every Sunday and saying your prayers and be, be good uh, or give a lot of money. He didn't say any of that. Jesus understood the condition. If what the Bible says is true, he understood the condition of every human heart and said that he was the remedy for the condition of our hearts. Restless, unsettled, wayward, empty, angry, confused, heartbroken. Fill in all the adjectives that you want. He said he was the answer to that. Uh, In John's gospel also, we see this here, that Jesus said that he was the way. As I said, I'm sorry, that he said he was the way. And in John 6, 35, it says this. He said... I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He said, I'm the bread of life. He's not not saying he's the Pillsbury Doughboy. He's just saying he comes to fill a hunger that nothing in the world can fill. Nothing of acclaim before massive audiences, no amount of money, nothing will fill. He said, I'm the one that will fill you. And he comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He's saying, I am the answer to that longing that you have in your heart, that no amount of success, no amount of material possessions, no amount of anything can fill the way, the way I can. And then he also said this. He said, I am the door. He said, I'm the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And go in and out and find pasture. And then he said, I came that they might have life and have it fully. That's interesting that he said that. He says, if anyone enters through me, he'll be saved. He'll be saved from what? He'll be saved from going the wrong way. Continuing to go go on the wrong way is what his promise is. Um, I have come that you may have life, he says, and have it abundantly. So he said he was the way. And he said he was the truth. I am the way and the truth. Now, some would ask, particularly in the realm of religion, isn't it just enough to be sincere about what you believe? Now, think about that. Isn't it just enough to just really believe hard and sincerely what you believe? But but think about that. Does being sincere about something or sincerely believing something make it true? just means you're sincere. Um, does it really matter what we believe? Well, the Bible says it does. 
And sincerity and truth are not necessarily hand in hand together. They're not. Because I believe something sincerely, but I found that I was, as I said, sincerely wrong. Yeah, it, it does matter what we believe. Does declaring what is something as being true make it true? No, no. I, there is an interesting quote here by Oprah Winfrey. Um, Speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. What if my truth doesn't agree with your truth? See, there's no such thing as my truth or your truth. Truth is truth. Truth stands whether I believe it or not. Something's true because it's true and it's untrue because it's untrue. The fact that I believe it or don't believe it really has nothing to do with it being true. Do you see that truth is self substantiating. And so, I mean, maybe you've even heard it said um, something like this. It's not what you believe, but that you believe. Have you ever heard that? I mean, it sounds very esoteric and deep. It's not what you believe, but that you believe. Well, I, I, okay, so given at that 30,000 foot level, maybe we're going to just let that go. But, but let's start thinking about that in the terms of the real world. Um, it's not what you eat, but that you eat. Now, for New Orleanians, maybe. That may be true. Um, but none of us believe that. How, how, how about this? Um, it's not what you breathe, but that you breathe. None of us would believe that either, would we? But if I really, really believe... Breathing in something particular that's going to help me, won't it help me? If I really don't believe in gravity, and I'm on the top of a 40-story building, but I don't believe in gravity, is that going to stop gravity from having its effect on me? Truth is truth. How about this? It's not what you invest in, but that you invest. Uh, any financial planners here tonight going to believe that? Okay. Um, but this may, this may be the one here. It's not what you marry, but that you marry. Now, some of us are kind of getting, you know, getting a little older, you know, it's like, <laughs> maybe, maybe, you know, just have to go ahead and give up a couple of my checklists here. Um, but we just don't believe that. But when it comes to thinking about spiritual things, you know, it's not really what you believe, but that you believe. And when you think about it in that context, hopefully we hear, you don't believe that. I don't believe that. But we don't stop long enough to think about what we're thinking about to possibly say, you know, I've believed something my whole life, but now I'm finding out I may have been wrong my whole life. It's interesting for us to come together and think about these things. Because everything can't be true at the same time, particularly if they contradict themselves. There's something called the law of non-contradiction. So if one religion says, like Hinduism, there's millions of gods, and Islam says, no, 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 there's one God, and then Christianity comes and says, no, there's one God in three persons, and then Buddhists say, no, 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 there's no God at all. And the Jehovah's Witnesses say, well, there was Jesus, but Jesus really wasn't God incarnate. He was just a prophet. And then the Mormons say that you yourself can become a God if you do all the right things. Now... They can't all be true. Either they're all wrong or one of them is right and the other one is wrong. The other ones are wrong. They can't all be true at the same time. 
because they contradict one another. And if we just stop and think about these things for a little bit, maybe we'll begin to think, okay, what do I believe about God? What do I believe about me? What do I believe God believes about me? And hopefully that begins to be more important than maybe it has been because we've been running this rat race at 100 miles an hour, not thinking much about this. And you know what I love too? Is that the God of the Bible has not asked you and me to check our brains at the door. That he gave us a brain to use and to think humbly yet critically about is he there and does he care and can I know? I think those are great questions. I mean, we want that. That's what makes up most of our worldviews. Maybe not so much where did I come from. My mother's womb was fine. Where am I going? If what the religious people say is true, I don't want to think about that. But why am I here? Even that, why am I here? And possibly it's the number of the, the frustrations of our lives that maybe even get us to think beyond what we're thinking about today. It was Ernest Henley that uh, wrote this. One of my, you, you, you've heard of the, the poem Invictus. Uh, maybe you saw the rugby movie with Matt Damon uh, Invictus. But Henley uh, was, a, was, an, uh, was a poet in the uh, 1800s, and he wrote this poem. This is the last stanza of Henley's poem. Well, let me just get here. He says, it matters not how straight the gate, how fraught with punishment the scroll I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Now think about that. Think about your life right now and Henley's quote. I had to think about my life and Henley's quote. How much does my life, though I maybe not really say I believe that, actually in practical living, I actually believe that. He says, it matters not how straight the gate. What, what is he saying there? He's alluding to the New Testament where Jesus says, narrow is the way and few who find it that lead to life. How fraught with punishment the scroll. What scroll do you think he's talking about? The Ten Commandments. I am the master of my faith. I am the captain of my soul. And he could have sung my way with Frank Sinatra very easily. <laughs> Jesus comes in the midst of our self-reliance, according to the Bible, and says, Hey, Frank. You're going in the wrong direction. I am the way. You're believing a lie, Frank. I am the truth. And when it comes to your relationship with me, Frank, because of your self-centeredness, you're separated from me. And we can go all the way back to the first book in the Bible, Genesis, where Adam and Eve, our progenitors, our, our, our parents, decided that they would be the master of their fate and the captain of their soul. They decided that they would do what God told them not to do. And the result of that, God said, the day you do this, the day you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. And what happened then? Well, they didn't drop dead on the spot, but they immediately died and they were separated in their relationship to God. They became at odds with one another. And we see that more and more today in terms of man's inhumanity to man. And then we die in respect to our bodies. Eventually, we're going to put this body off that, we, that has been our companion for all of our lives. 
Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Um, I'll close with this. In John 3, 6, it's recorded by the, the Apostle John that he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him. Now, over the weeks, we're going to talk about what does that word believe really mean? What does that mean to actually to believe something? I think that's where we get tripped up a little bit. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, would not die, would not be eternally separated from God, but would have eternal life, life that lasts forever. Now, this is a scripture that maybe some of you grew up with, maybe heard of it, whatever. But this is, this is, so, uh, this is so big. See, I think the Bible tells us that God gets into the weeds of our lives. And we could write this scripture this way. For God so loved the world, that for God not just loved the world, but for God so loved Jeff, for God so loved Jerry, so God so loved Charles or Dennis or Linda, that he gave his only son, that if Linda or Charles or Jeff or Jerry would believe in him, they would not perish. They would experience the life that God in Christ came to give us. Not worry-free, not trouble-free, not grief-free, but a life that is difficult in the dash, but knowing in the line I will be with him forever because of what he did, I can have faith and hope in the midst of a very difficult health situation, a very difficult financial situation a very difficult interrelational situation that he would be there in the midst of the dash and would be and and our faith would be there because I know he will be with me for ever all right let's go back to Shia LaBeouf for just a minute I don't handle fame well most actors on most days don't think they're worthy I have no idea where this insecurity comes from but it's a God-sized hole. If I knew, I'd fill it, and I would be on my way. Now, 36-year-old Shia LaBeouf, I want you to meet a 400-year-old guy named Blaise Pascal. He was a mathematician, a philosopher, and this is one of the things that Pascal said. He said, there is a God-shaped vacuum. I don't think Shia was reading Pascal, I'm not sure. There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. Now, this is true or not, and it can never be filled by any created thing. It can only be filled by God, made known through Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God entered into the hell of our lives to deliver us from the hell of our lives. That even in the midst of that, in the physical life, we could have abundance, but even more than that, the promise of life with him forever on the very last, the last side of our very last, on the other side of our very last heartbeat. I'm not expecting you to believe that. And I certainly don't want you to take my word for it. I'm not going to ask you to believe anything I'm telling you while I'm up here over these weeks. Examine yourself. If you believe God, if you believe there's something on the other side of your last heartbeat, maybe tonight while you're staring up at the ceiling trying to go to sleep, ask him 
Who are you? Who am I? Why am I here? Is there more to life than this? Are you the answer that I've been avoiding for all these years because I've been too caught up in myself, in my career, in my sense of what is acceptable and unacceptable? If there is a God and he's listening, the Bible would say there is and he is, he cannot help but answer that question for each and every one of us. So I'm just glad you're here. Thank you. We're all glad you're here. Um, Next week, we're going to talk about who is Jesus. What does history say about Jesus? What does archaeology say about Jesus? Uh, what, what What do philosophers say about Jesus? Did he really live? Can I even believe the Bible? Why should I even believe this book that was written thousands of years ago? some fascinating things we can find out. And I hope, if you're going to come, just come back once, okay? Just come back one more time. Just endure me one more time, and I, I guarantee you, double your money back if, <laughs> if you don't like it. So, so anyway, so we're gonna, what we're going to do is that we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come around and just kind of just spend a few minutes talking around our tables. Um, just a couple of things. Just, it's going to get really loud in here. So, you know, if you can, only one person talking at a table at a time, not one person in the room talking at a time, but one person at the table talking at a time. Um, if you feel awkward about speaking, just, you know, you don't have to speak. Don't worry. But, you know, there's something, I did a little news article. I saw this that was interesting. It says, happy people talk more and with more substance. So if you don't talk, we're just going to assume you're miserable and really shallow. <laughs> so with that, you guys have a great rest of your evening. Thank you so much for coming. Let's take a quick break. Grab some coffee or whatever, and we will be back.